Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Bases Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Who would have seen this coming just a few weeks ago, especially a few months ago? The Washington Nationals are two games away from going and winning the World Series. Welcome into the Vivid Seat Studios from OB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you with another great podcast, and this podcast is being made so great because Adam Burke of Bang the Book Radio going to be joining me in the second segment. In the final segment, I'm going to give you a side and total on Game 3 of the World Series, which will actually have Anibal Sanchez starting for the Washington Nationals instead of the expected starter in Patrick Corbin in something I like to call touch them all. First things first, I always like to answer your Twitter questions from the Twitter mailbag at GNRSCORD1 is where you can fire those in. Did not get in any today, but as a friendly reminder, always send those in to the timeline because if you send those via DM, well, it'd be like having the Houston Astros in the 7th and 8th inning on Wednesday. Just not a situation where you want to be in. Meanwhile, if you send them into the timeline, you're having your offense firing all cylinders like the Washington Nationals were on Wednesday. So let's get into the recap of Game 2 of the World Series. So who's streaking and who is slumping? It is time for Rakers and Fakers. It has been the theme throughout the postseason, just some Big, giant first innings, and we saw another one as the score was 2-2 two to two at the end of the first inning. Anthony Rendon was able to get an RBI double for the Washington Nationals. We saw the long ball come into play for the Houston Astros, and then the game just all of a sudden died, really, for the Houston Astros. The biggest bright spot of the game was Alex Bregman being able to get that home run in the first inning. That was his first of the World Series, and then... It wouldn't be until the ninth inning that they score again. And the Washington Nationals, well, they were held scoreless until the seventh inning, but that was until a 
big six-run seventh inning. Kurt Suzuki led things off by being able to get a home run for the Washington Nationals. And then from there, it was just a hit parade. And Alex Bregman air really hurt the Houston Astros as well. And the Washington Nationals just had everything going on. And then they would follow that up with home runs in the eighth and ninth inning. Adam Eaton was able to go yard. And then Michael A. Taylor as well as for the Houston Astros. They wind up having Justin Verlander go out there for the seventh inning, but he didn't record an out in that seventh inning. Sixth inning pitch, he gave up four runs, all of which were earned. Then from there, the bullpen, just a woeful night. They give up eight runs over the course of three innings. Now, I will say only five of them were earned, but by and large, still a very bad night. And for the Houston Astros... Really not a lot doing with men in scoring position. They had their opportunities against Steven Strasburg, who did give up that home run in the first, but from there he settled down. But the Houston Astros wind up getting zero hits with men in scoring position. They go 0 for 5 in that regard. They leave nine men on base. And then for the Washington Nationals, they were able to go 5 of 12 with men in scoring position, including those home runs. Like I said, Strasburg, just two earned runs. And then you also had the bullpen of Javi Guerra, Tanner. It's raining runs against them, and Fernand. Oh, no! Rodney all provided an inning without giving up a run, aside from Javi Garrett. Garrett gave up a run, but that's when the game was 12-2 in the ninth inning, so needless to say, it didn't have a big impact there. Now, favorites are 0-2 in the World Series, but by and large, they've been doing well in this postseason. They are 20-14 and overall. Both these games have went over, and the Washington Nationals, well, they cash that overall by themselves. And for the Houston Astros, you got to say that Jordan Alvarez has been doing a solid job this postseason. He's already got three hits in his six at-bats, but you've got guys like Carlos Correa and Alex Bregman that need to pick it up as well. And for the Washington Nationals, every one of their starters except for Victor Robles wound up getting a hit in this one and you had five guys to get two of them. So the Washington Nationals up by a count of two to zero. And if you go to Vivid Seats and you use the promo code OVERTIME as a first time user in the app, you're going to feel like you're up two to zero in the postseason as you're going to be able to get discounted tickets on the World Series, but let's say you're not going to want to go to the World Series because it's a little bit too much of a trek. You're out there in like the middle of Wyoming or something like that. Maybe more of a college basketball game is your fancy. They've got that. NFL games, college football games, and maybe you're not a person that wants to go to a live sporting event in general. You maybe want to go to a concert or something like that. Vivid Seats has you covered on all of it. Like I said, promo code OVERTIME into the Vivid Seats app is how you get up to $100 off of all tickets. And it's been a very interesting postseason. And I caught up with our friend Adam Burke of Bang the Book Radio. While Game 2 was going on, while the score was 2-2, to we're going to have that conversation, how things are shaking up for the series in general, and what kind of a shot the Houston Astros have of being able to climb back into the series. That is coming up next right here on MLB Overtime Bet. Greg is phoning a friend and going out to the Azunia Hotline. And we are back here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you from the Vivid Seat Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas. It is great to have on our next guest. He has joined me a couple times. This is a man with one of the best Twitter handles that you're going to find at Skating Tripods. And not only is his Twitter handle terrific, he does a terrific job with Bang the Book Radio. He's putting out great content on the MLB, all sorts of football, both college and the NFL. I'm sure that he's going to be coming at it strong with the NBA, college basketball, when that's more in season as well. This guy does a little bit of hockey, and this guy is just a tremendous man in general. It is Adam Burke joining me. And Adam, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. I'm going to have a hard time living up to that intro, though. Oh, you're going to live up to it because you do a absolutely phenomenal job. And what I find very phenomenal is the fact that in this postseason, 
We've been seeing a lot of first inning runs. We saw it yesterday in game two of the World Series. And truth be told, we're still doing this interview while the game is tied up at two to two. So we're midway through the game as we're doing this podcast. But the game starts out with both teams being able to get a pair of runs. Game from there really dies. And we've seen it all postseason long. I still remember ALCS game five. It was a situation in which the Yankees get four in the first inning. The Astros get one. No runs the rest of the game. The Washington Nationals in their closeout game against the St. Louis Cardinals. They wind up getting seven runs with one out in the bottom of the first inning. They end the game with seven runs. So it's one of these things where I don't know what you make of it, but I find it very interesting. And I feel like it's really become a theme of this postseason. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? I mean, here's the thing, though. You know, the first inning was the highest scoring inning in the regular season. Highest number of home runs, 827. 20 more than the fourth inning. And as we know, the fourth inning, you know, starters turning a lineup over for a second time, stuff like that. So the first inning, just for whatever reason, I don't know if pitchers weren't settling in. I don't know if it's just because of the top of the order being up at the plate, but the first inning was the highest scoring inning during the regular season. And we're seeing that carry over, as you mentioned, really to an extreme here in the postseason. And I think it's largely just because, you know, we've had some very good lineups here in the playoffs and also some lineups that are, by and large, optimized. You know, you don't see the LCDs Escobars batting leadoff here for a lot of these teams. You're seeing some premier hitters at the top of the order. You're seeing a lot more optimization from the managers. So I think it's just kind of, you know, lended itself well to some high-scoring first innings. I think it causes for some very good in-game betting opportunities. I think that there is now quite a bit of value in being able to take a run in the first inning. But then if you see a big outburst, just like we saw in Game 2, You see these teams get four runs on the board. Taking that live under is something that I think there's a lot of value with as well because I've noticed that after these big innings, the games by and large have just been dying from there. And if you take that live under, you've cashed very easily. Yeah, you know, with with the current state of the game and all the specialization and, you know, the fact that really in the playoffs here too, I mean, you're not going to see starters turn the lineup over for a third time. It's going to limit offense a little bit. So the playoffs are made for live betting. You know, not that momentum is necessarily a thing that I fully believe in, but you do get a lot of swings here in the playoffs, whether it's, you know, pitchers tiring a second and third time through the order. Some of these teams having to go to some lesser relievers in the middle innings. You do get a lot of live betting opportunities here and not put the cart in front of the horse. But I think that that's something that will have a really good opportunity with these World Series games in Washington, D.C. I think that that's a very good point that you bring up as joining me right now is Adam Burke of Bang the Book Radio on MLB Overtime Betting. And taking a look forward to Game 3, it is going to be Patrick Corbin going for the Washington Nationals this, despite the fact that he wound up pitching an inning of relief in Game 1. And you can tell that the Washington Nationals pulled out all the stops in order to get that Game 1 win, and rightfully so. This has really been the Nationals' MO all year long. What are you expecting from Patrick Corbin? Because the last time he came in in relief and then started a game, He gave up a couple runs to the St. Louis Cardinals, but a little bit of that can also be attributed to the fact that the game that I just brought up in which the Nationals scored seven runs in the bottom of the first inning, that was the game in which he was starting in. So I do think that perhaps we'll see a little bit of an affected Patrick Corbin as a result of pitching out of the bullpen, but I don't think it'll have a massive effect, if that makes sense. No, I don't think so either. I mean, maybe there was a little bit of pitching to the score there in the NLCS for Corbin. I think it actually helps him, truth be told, to go out there, get an inning, get rid of those nerves. And it was kind of mentioned after that inning appearance that he had that 
you know, maybe more starters are going to do this here where they pitch in live game conditions as opposed to throwing a side session or something like that. I think it ultimately helps Corbin kind of settle in a little bit. Maybe it helps Houston because some of the hitters were able to see him. I think that would be a little bit of an overblown angle there. But I think Corbin will be just fine. I think Zach Granke will probably be just fine here too. The thing that worries me here for both of these teams with this series now going to a National League ballpark is that you're going to have to be a lot more aggressive with changing pitchers to get that pinch here if you're in a run-scoring situation. And in that respect, it hurts Washington because their bullpen isn't as deep Obviously, they can't use Corbin in relief in game three. So that's one of the angles I'll be looking at here in that first game in Washington is, you know, what happens if you get Corbin in the fourth or fifth inning? You've got two guys on. It's a tie game or a one-run game, something like that. I think that, you know, if you're Davey Martinez, you've got a big decision to make. Do you go for the runs when you get a chance to score them? This is where the managerial aspects are really going to come into play. And isn't that the ultimate irony? The team that actually plays out there in the National League is going to be at a disadvantage because you lose the designated hitter. And on top of that, to your point, Howie Kendrick has been playing DH for the Washington Nationals in the first two games in Houston. Now, we know that Howie Kendrick, during the regular season, did a very good job of being able to get on base. He was having a batting average right around a 343. He had that big home run in the NLDS against the LA Dodgers, the grand slam home run, but his fielding has been suspect at best. Now that the series shifts back to Washington, he's going to have to have his glove out there in the field, and I think that that's going to be a little bit of a detriment to Washington as well. Yeah, and you could also say the same thing, though, on the Houston side, because what do you do with Jordan Alvarez? I mean, do you put him in the outfield? Do you put him maybe in right field and move Josh Reddick to the bench? I think it's obviously an option here in Game 3 with the lefty, but you know, Alvarez also kind of limits you a little bit defensively. So do you save that one bullet you have with him, get him in as high leverage of a pinch hit plate appearance as you can, or do you try to get, you know, two plate appearances out of him, make a defensive replacement later on in the game? That'll be an interesting question that Houston has to figure out because, look, I know Zach Greinke had, you know, the 280 average, the 308 on base and the 580 slugging percentage, but that's still not a guy that you want batting in any sort of leverage plate appearance in game three. So, You've got to figure out when to deploy Alvarez, when you're going to take Granky out of the game. You know, you've got double switching in play here, too. This is where the managers are going to earn their money, and I think these are some very important decisions, not just offensively, but defensively, as you just mentioned. I agree with you, as we do have Adam Burke of Bang the Book Radio joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting, and you do bring up Jordan Alvarez. I find him to be one of the most intriguing players in this postseason because we remember during the ALCS, this guy was a hot mess. He had one hit in either 21 or 22 plate appearances. Things were just not going well for him. Obviously, Josh Reddick does a better job out there in the field. And Josh Reddick, by and large, during this World Series, has not gotten off to the best of starts with his bat. Meanwhile, Jordan Alvarez, in his first five plate appearances, three hits for the Houston Astros. He's looked like a completely different player at the plate in the World Series as compared to the ALCS. I think that had some intrigue as well to what you were just talking about earlier. It does. And I mean, keep in mind too, you know, this guy's a middle of the order bat. I mean, Howie Kendrick, if you do put him on the bench and you do lose the DH with him, he's kind of a guy that can bat anywhere. He can bat at the top of the order. He can bat at the bottom of the order. Losing a guy like Alvarez, I mean, that's substantial in the middle of your lineup. You've got to move everybody else up a spot. Again, I talked about the optimization of lineups and something that teams have been able to do here in the playoffs. 
Well, if you've got Alvarez on the bench, you're not going to have an optimized lineup if you're the Houston Astros. That works into the equation here, too. And, and this isn't just a Game 3 thing. This is Game 4 and Game 5, too, where these managers, assuming there's a Game 5, where these managers have to figure this out. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if we don't have a Game 5, personally, as well. But I do oh, I think that something else that you bring up with looking forward in the series as well is if there is going to be one big edge of which the Nationals are going to have a advantage in a game, it is going to be Game 4 because with the Houston Astros, you're either going to have to throw just a you're either going to have to throw Garrett Cole, who got banged around for five runs in game one on short rest, or you're going to have to have a bullpen game. Meanwhile, with Washington Nationals, Anibal Sanchez has looked very good this postseason. He takes that no-hitter into the seventh inning against the St. Louis Cardinals, delivered a very good start in which I felt like he was pulled too early from against the LA Dodgers. Now he was a little bit shaky towards the end of the regular season, but by and large in the postseason, he's been doing a very good job. And Wade Miley, who we thought we were who we thought was going to be a very good game four starter for the Houston Astros entering into August. He just fell completely off the map, which is why the Astros are in a little bit of a horse apiece situation when it does get to game four. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I don't know why you don't go with a guy like Wade Miley here. I mean, you know, he's a ground ball type of guy. And look, if we know anything about the current state of Major League Baseball, it's that it's driven by the home run. And we can certainly say that, you know, the physics of the ball have been changed for the playoffs and so on and so forth. But you know, Wade Miley's a guy that keeps it on the ground. So you have to manufacture innings against a guy like that. I think that's even more difficult in the playoffs when you talk about how good defensively a lot of these teams are. So I'm surprised you don't go with Wade Miley here, even if you carry him just to be, you know, a left-handed matchup guy coming out of the bullpen because the Astros don't really have any of those. So I'm surprised not to see him on the roster. But look, Sanchez is the same kind of thing. You know, this is a guy that doesn't give up a lot of hard contact. In fact, in terms of average velocity against, he's been top 10 the last two years. It's very hard to manufacture innings in the playoffs. It's a lot of a walk or a bloop and a blast, something like that. And I don't know why the Astros don't carry Miley. And I think the Nationals, as you mentioned, it is a luxury that they do have to be able to have Anibal Sanchez in game four to not have to worry about trying to throw Scherzer on short rest or go with Strasburg in game one and then short rest in game four where Houston may have to make that decision. And if they're down two to one or something like that, you know, is your best chance Garrett Cole on short rest or is it a bullpen game? I'd have to say, despite the inexperience of Cole throwing on short rest, it's probably that. I do agree with you because Garrett Cole, when he gave up the five runs a few days ago, that was the second time in his Houston Astros career that he had given up more than four earned runs. You got to think that he's going to be able to bounce back and give a very good start. And if he doesn't have it, you could still go to a guy like a Jose Urquidy. You could go to a guy like Brad Peacock. And both these guys, I wouldn't say that they were nails in that bullpen game, but they certainly weren't bad. So I think that you've got a variety of options. If things go awry with Garrett Cole, you see something that you don't like, you're able to pull him right away, and there's not a whole ton lost. Again, the thing that I don't understand, I mean, maybe they have reasons for it. Doesn't Wade Miley just fit the mold perfectly as a game four bulk reliever? Run a guy like Josh James out there to throw 98-99 the first time through the order or the first inning, something like that, and then go with a Wade Miley. You know, give him the Ryan Yarborough treatment or the Jalen Beeks treatment, something like that. Feels like this series would have set up perfectly for that. You know, even maybe you do something like get Jordan Alvarez a first inning plate appearance, double switch, and then wind up going to Miley and do something a little bit more creative that way. I'm just surprised. I mean, Miley's a guy that should have been there. He had a very good regular season. He's a Dallas Keuchel clone kind of guy. 
and he's just not there for this series. I don't get it. He hasn't been there really for the playoffs overall. So maybe he has compromising photos of uh, of somebody, but it's crazy (laughs) to me. We do have Adam Burke of Bang the Book Radio joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And to your point with Wade Miley, the one thing that the Astros lack in this postseason that they've had in past postseasons is the fact that you don't really have that Lance McCullers guy that you can look at to be able to give you some reliable long relief. I did mention Jose Urquidy and Brad Peacock. They're not Lance McCullers, though. They're not going to be a guy that you could bring out of the bullpen give you a bunch of clutch innings. We saw that with Charlie Morton a couple years ago as well. That, I think, is the big bugaboo to the Astros this year, even though, by and large, the starting rotation is better, the lineup in general, top to bottom, is better. That's the one thing that's lacking from this Houston Astros team that they've had in the past. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. And I I think that it's kind of interesting, too, that I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Davey Martinez decides to go with Anibal Sanchez in game three, just to give Corbin a little bit of extra time coming off of that one inning. It's kind of funny to look at Houston and look at the depth that they have, the depth that they created by trading for Zach Granke. And it almost feels like Washington's in a much better spot here in the World Series. And I don't want to say this backfired for Houston because I don't think that that's the right word. But you really wouldn't expect anybody going up against the Astros shy of the Dodgers to maybe be in a better pitching situation. But here we are where Washington has options and Houston's are rather limited at this point. I agree with you. And I was even saying a couple months ago that I doubted the Nationals being able to get to the World Series. But if they did get to the World Series, the trio of Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg, and Matt Max Scherzer will be tough for anyone to take down. And that's before we saw Anibal Sanchez come to the forefront. And I think that Davey Martinez needs to be praised for the way that he's worked this bullpen because the biggest issue with the Washington Nationals all year long was that bullpen you saw in game one. He fired Patrick Corbett out there on the bullpen to give them an inning. And the team acquired Danny Hudson during the trade deadline period as well. That gives them now two reliable bullpen arms, and they've been trotting out their starters. That's three innings of relief right there. And when you've got all these starters you're able to typically get six-plus innings out of a guy like a Strasburg or a Scherzer. That puts this team in surprisingly very good shape, despite the fact that, by and large, the bullpen during the regular season just wasn't there. I am seeing here Jamal Collier from the Washington Post or Nationals.com, wherever he's the writer for, uh, is saying that Sanchez will go in Game 3, maybe Corbin in Game 4, but... You know, hey, now you've got Patrick Corbin possibly available in game three. So maybe he's just kind of your Andrew Miller fireman type of guy as opposed to being a starter here in this series. And it's kind of funny to see the Astros almost getting beaten at their own game in terms of creativity, in terms of the depth that Washington has been able to provide here in this series. It's really, really fascinating to say the least that, you know, again, you've got a Houston team here that, that almost seems like they're at the disadvantage. And again, we'll see what happens here with the rest of game two. As you mentioned, we're recording while game two is going on. Again, it's fascinating the way that Davey Martinez, who by and large, a lot of people criticized him during the regular season last year, kind of were saying to some degree, oh, I wish he still had Dusty Baker. And here Davey Martinez pushing all the right buttons in the month of October. Maybe it helps that they disposed of the Cardinals so quickly, didn't have to worry too much about figuring out the back end of that series. But full marks to Martinez here for what he's done so far and, you know, maybe redeeming himself in the eyes of some of the pundits out there. 
Totally agree with you. He's been pushing all the right buttons and another man that pushes all the right buttons. The man that's joining me right now, Adam Burke. I know that you do a great job with Bang the Book Radio. You do some analysis on betting for a variety of different sports and a variety of different publications. We'd like to close it up with this. Where can the good people get a little bit more of your work and where can they hear you? Because you do an absolutely tremendous job of breaking down not just baseball, not just football, not just basketball, but all of it and then going even deeper than that. Well, I appreciate that, Greg. Thank you so much, man. And you can find me at bangthebook.com. You can hear me every Monday through Friday on Bang the Book Radio. Right now, it's a lot of college football in the NFL, obviously, but we do work in some NHL, some golf, some NBA. We'll do a lot of college basketball, as you mentioned at the top of the segment, and I know you are a big-time college basketball guy, one of the hardest workers in the business as far as that goes. So I know you're excited for the start of that in less than two weeks, and I wish you all the best for the upcoming college hoop season. Absolutely. I do appreciate it. We're working on all 353 D1 team previews. So that is going to be a lot of fun. And I just think it's so funny that Adam Burke was afraid that he wasn't going to be able to live up to the introduction that he gave and he exceeded it. So a big thanks to Adam Burke of Bang the Book Radio for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And coming up next, I do give you a little bit of a preview as to what we might expect for a line in Game 3 of the World Series right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. A big thanks to Adam Burke of Bang the Book Radio for joining me right here in the last segment of MLB Overtime Betting as we're back here in the Vivid Seat Studios. And our good buddies at MyBookie have you covered if you want to be able to bet Game 3 of the World Series. Maybe you're a little bit sick of betting baseball because it's been going on for so long. They've got you covered on so many other things. You're even able to bet the amount of fantasy points a player will get in an NFL game. They've got so many different options. And there's so many different ways to be able to bet the World Series as well. Maybe you're not just wanting to bet the pre-flop numbers like I'm giving out with the side in total. There are so many other things that they offer like first fives. Will a run be scored in the first inning? They've got a variety of different things that you could choose from. And when you go to mybookie.ag, you are going to get your first deposit match dollar for dollar up to $1,000 if you use my special promo code overtime. That is all one word, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, because mybookie is a place where you play, you win, and golly gosh darn it, gee lilikers, whatever you want to say here, you get paid. And now it is that time that I give you a side in total on Game 3 of the World Series. It's something I like to call, touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. As was mentioned a little bit earlier, it is going to be Anibal Sanchez going for the home Washington Nationals against Zach Granke of the Houston Astros. This Line is currently up at about five out of the main 10 books in Vegas. And right now we're seeing the Houston Astros anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Plus price here on the Washington Nationals between plus 110 and plus 115. Total is seven and a half across the board. Seeing one eight out there as well at stations. Under is use of minus 125 on the eight. Over is plus 105. Meanwhile, with the seven and a half, over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 105. And I've got to be looking at the Houston Astros in this spot. Zach Granke is going to be able to have some success because he's facing 
a lot of these Washington Nationals batters before, unlike some of the other guys. I know that Garrett Cole certainly spent some time out there in the National League for the Pittsburgh Pirates, but with Zach Ranke, he was pitching in the National League as recently as a few months ago with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and his home and road splits are very equal. We saw him do a very good job when he was out there in the ALCS against the New York Yankees. And he actually, because he is a guy that has a little bit of anxiety and things like that, I actually think that it makes the home and road environment pretty much the same for him because either way he's dealing with the same sort of things. Meanwhile with Anibal Sanchez, he's actually surprisingly a little bit better of a road pitcher than a home pitcher. His OMERA has been a little bit over a four all year long, but with that said, during this postseason he's been very good. I mentioned this with Adam Burke. I felt like he was pulled a little bit too quickly from that start that he had against the LA Dodgers in that NLDS. In the NLCS, he winds up taking a no-hitter to the seventh inning. And by and large, the Washington Nationals have a lot of power up and down the lineup. Michael A. Taylor has really been a nice find for this team. He was hitting right around 230 during the regular season and the postseason, and he's really come through. Kurt Suzuki is a significantly better hitter than Jan Gomes at the catcher spot. This is a guy that was able to get that home run that really ignited the rally in the seventh inning against Justin Verlander, and then you've got obviously Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto, two guys that had an on-base percentage of a 400 during the regular season and 34-plus home runs. Both these guys have certainly come through this postseason. Adam Eaton and Trey Turner are getting on base, but then for the Houston Astros, Jordan Alvarez has started to come on. What sort of a form he's going to be using is a little bit to be determined, and then you've got the obvious defense of Josh Reddick. It will be obviously a bit colder in Washington, D.C. than it was in Houston, so got to think the ball is going to be traveling a little bit less, but you got guys like George Springer, Jose Altuve, that'll do a good job of getting on base. You got to think that it's a matter of when rather than if when Alex Bregman and Yoli Gurriel are going to be able to pick it up with their bat as well. I think that the catcher spot with Martin Maldonado and company is going to be a little bit better as well. And for the Houston Astros, I do think that they've got a lot of bullets that they're able to bring in off the bench and I was mentioning this as well. Howie Kendrick's defense, not necessarily the best for the Washington Nationals. We've seen him boot some balls in the postseason. He's now going to have to play the field. That is going to be big and I think that that means that you're probably going to see as Drupal Cabrera come off the bench as well unless if you want to do the vice versa situation. Both these bullpens are going to be very rested as well. I think that the Houston Astros are certainly going to look better out of their bullpen with guys like Roberto Ozuna and even Ryan Presley and company than they have the last couple games of this postseason going back to the ALCS with Roberto Ozuna. I do think that the Washington Nationals with Sean Doolittle and Danny Hudson are going to be able to do a very good job of providing some innings and I do think that Anibal Sanchez provides a good start but I think the Houston Astros pull out a very low scoring game so for that reason going to be going with the under in this spot and I'm going to be going with the Houston Astros laying the small number. Currently Wayne Seymour on both of these I would like to see the openers that all these books put out and I'm liking and I would like to see if I'm able to get under eight at a little bit of better juice if not, I will just take the unjuice seven and a half. So that will do it for the Thursday edition of MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks to our man Adam Burke of Bang the Book Radio for joining me in the second segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Ever have a question for the podcast? Feel free to tweet it at GNRS41. Unfortunately, this will not be a profitable day because, well, let's face it, we have no games, but hopefully today is a successful and fun one. I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.